The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Okay, Resetters, we are back with another awesome interview with another passionate person. And again, if you're new to our podcast, you really hopefully know that we love interviewing people that have pain to purpose stories that started off life in one direction and then they created something happened to them either physically or mentally that derailed them and they came out of that situation and then turned it into their purpose. And this woman, Autumn Smith, has definitely got a great pain to purpose story. Yes. And I think we love people who are so passionate about helping this world yes. be a better place. And that is def- that definitely came through with her and her whole company because I've chatted yes. with some of her other, the other people that run the company, but they're just all on a mission to help this world be a better place. Yeah. So um, her company is Paleo Valley and you'll hear us talk about it. We love her beef sticks, but I can tell you that there are two things that Paleo Valley has been able to do that I haven't found a lot of companies be able to do this. One is that they are, their ingredients are so on point, like organic, no sugars, like grass-fed, like doesn't matter if it's the bars, the bars are great, doesn't matter if it's the it's the beef sticks, but they have gone to great lengths to get the right ingredients. And then the second thing is it tastes really good. So I feel like that's got to be a hard combination to create in a snack because yeah. I sure have looked for it. <laughs> well, and the beef sticks are fermented. I've never seen a oh, fermented yeah. beef stick. Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. So we'll put links in here. That's a total side note, but you should try their beef sticks. If you, if you eat beef, that, it's incredible. But what's interesting about Autumn is that she didn't, again, start off being a passionate about beef sticks. <laughs> that, was <definitely, laughs> that was definitely not in her, in her launching point into life. She was actually a dancer who had did some ph- phenomenal things. She danced. She was a dancer and a part of, I, what do you call it? J-Lo's troupe? J-Lo's dance? She helped train. She went on like world tour with J-Lo and helped train the backup dancers and J-Lo. Right. So she was like the personal trainer to J-Lo. And then J-Lo, you'll hear it in the interview, J-Lo got so connected to her that she brought her on tour, not only to help her train, but also as a dancer. So that part, that was really fascinating. And you, you would never know. I mean, she's very, very humble. I yes. kind of had to draw it out of her. Like she didn't, you know, that was not the first thing she wanted to talk about. But you'd have to imagine the work ethic and like the the dedication that one has to be invited to yeah. go on world tour. <laughs> with JLo, which I yeah. think is why she is so passionate and has made such an amazing company. Yeah, absolutely. So while she was on tour, while she was a trainer, she got really bad irritable bowel syndrome. 
And from that, you know, there's a, she'll, you'll hear her story. She ended up finding the paleo diet and it totally fixed her symptoms and which is amazing. And I think we see that so much in our world where somebody has a condition that they don't even realize that the food they're eating every single day is contributing to the, to the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it's such a hard connection to make. I just had a, an interview or, or did a presentation for a group of docs on metabolic syndrome and how many things are contributing to metabolic syndrome. And people are still struggling to make that connection between the food in the grocery store causing so many of their health problems. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think she kind of hit the nail on the, if you look good, you must Ah. be right. You must be feeling good or this, this is just something I'm going to have to deal with because she, she was a fitness trainer and she trained so many people just because it's that outside in perspective, just because I look good on the outside doesn't mean everything's going good on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys will hear that in this. She really talks about how people would compliment her on how she looked and she felt horrible. And she had it when I was preparing for this interview. She actually had a really interesting line in here that, and, and I'll read you her bio here in a moment, but she, one of the lines that she had is that she could see that exercise alone was not enough for, to achieve radiant health. And I'm going to say that's something that I really struggled with in my own health journey is I thought I could exercise my way out of anything. And I've since learned that oftentimes you exercise your way into problems. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's a mentality that we bring into anything. It's not just fasting. It's not just your diet. It's not just your exercise. Like it's the combination of all these factors coming together. It's back to that like one thing. Exercise is going to cure it all. Yeah. Fasting is going to cure it all. And they do both do amazing things for a lot of different symptoms or conditions, but it's just not the one thing. Yeah. And part of why we brought her to you guys is that what we haven't addressed on our podcast or even on my YouTube channel is this idea about the emotional side of food. And, you know, we've, we've talked about creating miracles with your mind, like we've had some, and it comes up in different places. But what we see in our Resetter community is that when we go to fast, when people do our, our monthly fast training weeks, that their limiting beliefs around food shows up. And I wanted to bring her on because her, she has a background in food psychology and she, this is what she does. She works with people. She is, this is what she calls herself a certified eating psychology coach. That sounds like somebody, something everybody needs. Yes. Is an eating psychology coach. And so she had some really cool tricks for looking at Uh, how you can overcome food addictions, especially if you're using them to soothe emotional patterns. She also had some incredible ideas for when you guys are fasting and these limiting beliefs come up. And they were like applicable, easy tricks. Like she just went right in. And and then a couple of times in the conversation, we started to head in a new direction and she wanted to come back to more strategies for you. Yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah. So we're, this is a great interview. Those of you that are really looking to overcome some of your emotional habits around food, I highly recommend it. Let me go ahead and just read her bio because it's pretty impressive. So she began her academic career with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in dance from the University of Montana. She danced professionally after graduation and became a certified yoga instructor. And hoping to combine her love of dance and and her passion for health, she became a celebrity fitness trainer with Tracy Anderson. 
I have to say, I'm sorry, I don't know who Tracy Anderson is. Do you, Jessica? I didn't know. Yeah, but I uh, I assume she's big in the dance world. And her went on world tour with Jennifer Lopez, which is pretty impressive. But while she was working as a fitness trainer, she could see that exercise alone was not going to help her clients achieve the radiant health that she worked so hard with them to achieve. And in this meantime, she had irritable bowel syndrome and anxiety that had been plaguing her from adolescence and only got worse as time went on. So she became frustrated. Here's the pain part. (laughs) This is what we love. She became frustrated. And so it ignited a passion in her to understand holistic nutrition. So she ended up healing herself from paleo with the paleo diet. She healed her IBS with the paleo diet. And then she went on to study at the Institute of Psychology of Eating. There's an Institute for Psychology of Eating. That's fascinating. I, I wanted to look that up after we got done. Yeah, that we should put links in for that because I, many of you may, we have a lot of, of our listeners, a lot of the people that come into our academy that go on to be functional medicine coaches of some kind. That could be a good resource. Yeah. And she became a certified eating psychology coach from Hawthorne University and she got a master's in holistic n- nutrition. Seven years ago, so 2013, she founded Paleo Valley with her husband and brother-in-law, and their mission is to create excellent nutritional food, organic, and share it with 100. Their their mission is to reach 100 million people worldwide. Really cool. And then the last thing I'll tell you is that she's committed to reaching new heights with her health. Her son, she has a five-year-old son. She's now a certified functional nutrition practitioner, and uh, you will see in this interview, she is incredibly passionate, incredibly humble, and has some incredible ideas for you. Yes. So we are excited to bring you Autumn Smith. As always, let us know what you think. Find us on Instagram. Give us feedback on what you learned from this. Uh, No pun intended. Give us (laughs) feedback. That was good. And let us know what your favorite, if you've tried Paleo Valley, let us know what your favorite product is. Absolutely. And then we'll put all her links and, and resources in the notes. And as always, if you guys love this, please share it out. We are on a mission to get the world to be empowered about themselves through things like what she's talking about and teaches on this podcast. So hope it helps. Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. 
and my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you, and I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled. And let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. I'm always amazed at the journey people take to the place where they become either passionate about teaching others about nutrition or health, or they launch a product or a company like you have, because they didn't always start off in that place. It's usually, and this has been a trend amongst all of our guests, where they started off doing one career had an epiphany moment, whether in their own health or a loved one's health, which led them in a totally different direction. So let's start off with your journey because you were a professional dancer. Is that what you would have called yourself? Yes. So throughout my life, I've always kind of been passionate about dance. I was a ballerina since the age of four. The bol- I studied with the Bolshoi Ballet I'm in this tiny little town in North Dakota. But yeah, once I graduated college with a degree in psychology, I realized, okay, if I'm going to dance, I'm going to have to do it now. So I went to Los Angeles. I did some backup dancing for a Disney artist and I danced at a few companies. But what really became my career there was I worked for Tracy Anderson, who is this like amazing world-renowned fitness trainer. And she was kind of plucking dancers out to teach her method, her fitness method. And so a few years back, or actually about a decade prior to that, I had started having some really severe digestive issues. And we didn't know it at the time, but we know now there's a gut-brain link. And so when they, when I couldn't find help for my irritable bowel syndrome, which we know now is a wastebasket diagnosis kind of saying, we're not really sure what's wrong with you. I just learned, okay, well, no one's really have has anything for me. So I'm just going to have to keep trudging forward. And I kept dancing, even though I started to feel anxious and depressed a little bit. And it wasn't until I married my husband and he actually moved in with me and saw like, whoa, you're this fitness trainer, right? I mean, you're jacked. You look so fit, but like, when I really get to know you, the wellness piece, it's not here, right? Your your skin's breaking out. You're anxious about it. You feel sad and you know, your digestion. Sometimes we can't go out with other people because you're in so much pain. And so he's like, I just, I just want better for my wife. And I'd kind of just kind of resigned myself to the fact that that would be my life. But he got online, we found the paleo diet. And in 30 days, my digestive issues went away after I had so many experts tell me there's nothing I could do. So I was floored. I was so excited because now I was not feeling like a fraud anymore. Here I was this wellness professional. And I felt like, whoa, you know, like I am so embarrassed at when people really looked under the hood. But because of that, I realized I want to focus my career after that on wellness rather than just fitness. And I knew this food piece was just huge for me. So I went back and got my master's. And what we kind of realized 
after school was that people just needed tools to make this realistic. Because in my job as a fitness trainer, I didn't quit right away, but I had to travel around the world and I just didn't have the food that would keep me feeling like I wanted to feel. And so that's why we just found Paley Valley. That is such a that's such a common story. And the the funny thing is that uh, you and I have I was a fitness instructor in common. When I graduated from college, I actually went to the University of Kansas and I got a degree in exercise physiology. And I grew up in LA. So I went back to LA and I got a job being a personal trainer on Rodeo Drive. And nice. Right? I thought like I literally worked on Rodeo Drive like every day for several years. And I got to a point where I was like, like the there it was so unfulfilling because the people were their focus was I got to fit into my skinny jeans I've got to look great in a dress for some fundraiser there was like like the fitness industry had it, at least in that world that I was working in had lost all sight of the fact that there was a health aspect behind fitness did you find that when you were a personal trainer Oh, absolutely. And that's like all of my clients when I started understanding this food piece, because we were exercising like one and two hours a day, sometimes in the heat. And like, you know, we were maintaining our weight goals and like our physical fitness, but a lot of them were not feeling good. They were anxious. They were way too worried about their body. And um, it kind of just dictated everything. And my skin, like I said, my skin was breaking out. I had other clients who had the same thing. So our body was telling us like, there's more to this story. We need to start listening and we need to look beyond our physical form. But absolutely, especially I think in Los Angeles. It's Perhaps. It's <laughs> kind of the way things are down there. Not for everyone, but for sure. It's, you know, in, uh, in our resetters, one of the things I always tell people to do is like throw the scale away because the important thing is that you love living in your body. And it doesn't matter what size you are. It matters that you wake up in the morning, you dress yourself and you feel good about what you're living in. And that was my struggle as a personal trainer is like we were trying to achieve these goals that were so outside in and it, it it's it's a dead end road it was so sad i'd have clients who like would start you know working on themselves or changing their diet up a little bit and they would get so frustrated the minute they got on their scale they'd wake up and they'd feel awesome and then they'd get on that scale and it was like oh the whole world crumpled before them when it was like no 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 but we're on the right track and and honestly when I started working for Tracy Anderson, I looked really, really fit. And people would see me and be like, what? Did you lose like 30 pounds? I had lost five pounds, but my body just looked dramatically different because I was in shape. And so my weight was the same. All I'm trying to say is the, the scale is so meaningless. What are we even measuring? And why does it even matter? Um, I just fully support your get rid of the scale. We all need to find some better, more useful measurement of our well-being. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the dance world, I, we've had a lot of dancers come through through our doors and we've worked with a lot of people who have come from the dance background. Talk a little bit about the mindset that is is it that comes from growing up in the dance world. Like what what are your thoughts about your health and what you how you look? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, they've really made a transformation now, but I can remember when I was a young girl and starting at four, I mean, we looked in the mirror all the time. And it wasn't until I kind of hit teens that I realized, 
you know, when my teachers were like pointing to someone else, like, oh yeah, that girl, she's just a little thinner than you, that one. And then I remember one Christmas when we were getting ready for the Bolshoi Ballet to come over and join us for the Nutcracker. And the woman sewing my costume on was like, I must've been 12. You're going to need to drop some weight, like fast. Like they're going to need you to drop, drop a few pounds because you got to look your best. And I remember like at that moment, like, okay, I guess this is what I'm supposed to look like. And I danced with a lot of like younger girls. And so I, in my head, it was like, oh, I need my thighs not to touch. Okay. Okay. That's because I was comparing myself constantly to these tiny little bodies who hadn't yet hit puberty. So yeah, I think the dance world, especially the ballet world where it's all about line and like, you know, just being, being really thin. Um, and I remember the Bolshoi principals would come in and they'd smoke cigs and, you know, it just (laughs) during rehearsal and it just... (laughs) It's not always a health-focused, wellness-focused space is moral of the story. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I did read that you got to dance with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. That's, that's from Tracy Anderson. I actually ah. did voice training on tour. So the thing with Tracy Anderson is she you, is a dance audition to be hired. And then Jennifer, I worked with her for, I think, a year. And then one day she said, I'm going on a world tour. Are you coming with me? And I thought... Oh my gosh. Well, I just got married, but I guess so. So yeah, we went around the world for seven months and I worked as her trainer, but then I also trained her dancers just to keep wow. me and stayed in shape. Yeah. So I wasn't dancing on tour, but I was being a fitness trainer. And okay. And so what's she like? You got to give us the inside view. I, I have, I, I want you to say that she's a nice, kind human. Yeah. She's a beast is what she is. Like this woman is so passionate, so sensitive, and just so clear on what she wants to to achieve. But yeah, we had a lot of really nice moments. There's a great culture. She was a mom first. She always thought it was really, really important to make sure that she taught her kids how to follow their dreams. And so they were on tour with us. Like sometimes we'd be like warming up and her little guy, Max, would be like... Aah! like, you know, running around and yeah, it was wonderful. She was wonderful. Yeah. That's great. That's good. That's good. good. You know, you, when you see somebody in the public eye, you project onto them and then you, you want that to be what you, what's really happening. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay. From the dance world, you then went on to more of a psychology around food, which is really what I want to dive into. And I think would be so helpful for our resetters. So talk about how you transitioned out of the dance world and the tra- and the personal trainer world into health psychology. Yeah, that was something I actually did when I was on tour with Jennifer. And I was kind of realizing where I was in my relationship with my body wasn't necessarily a healthy one. I was kind of still stuck in that mindset where it was all about fitness. Or no, yeah, fitness, just the way that my body looked. And I realized, wow, I need to do something to kind of help myself. So I was like healing myself first, but I knew I wanted to help Mm. other people with these challenges as well. And so I went to the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, Mark David and Emily Rosen's program, and basically just learned that when we have food struggles, it's not always about food, right? It's very rarely about food. And so just understanding what that was for me, so then I could there come and help other people dealing with these same issues, kind of like break free and evolve. So I can get into what, you know. Oh yeah. And this is, again, just to fill my resetters in, not only do I love Paleo Valley, which we're going to talk about in your products, but I really think what would be helpful for our resetters is to really unpack 
some of these thoughts around food and how we use food. What, uh, what you and I talked about before we went live with this interview was the fact that we're a fasting community. And when you fast, all your thoughts about food bubble up to the surface. So everything from, I would say the biggest thing that we see is that food is a state changer. So people use it in the moment that anything is not feeling good, that, you know, stress, they don't, they're not happy. They use it to change their state. So when they're fasting and they don't have that ability to change their state, what I love, and I don't know if you've, if you fast or you experience this, is they get the opportunity to create a new skill set and they get the opportunity to say, well, I could go for a walk. I could listen to music. I, I could do a puzzle. There's so many other things we can use to change our state. But we, as a society, have been conditioned, and as women especially, to use food to change our state. Yes, I love that you brought that up. And one of the things we learn in our eating psychology is that like, food is our most readily available source of pleasure. And our culture is not really comfy with pleasure, but pleasure isn't like something we should maybe experience from time to time. It's like a biological requirement. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of us in this world today are just putting our worth into things like productivity and all these other things where we're running around, we're far too overstimulated and we've forgotten this pleasure piece. And so I just want anyone out there who is like used to this, changing their state with food, just to know that that's very normal, like, right? It makes sense. But the key and the way out is to figure out where are the other sources of pleasure? Just like Mindy was saying, what are you neglecting? First of all, what other sources of pleasure can you, you can add in? Like what I do is have people do a pleasure inventory. So name hmm. your top 10 things that you would do on a Saturday off if you had no one to be responsible for. Okay. So mine looks like hiking and dancing, maybe a nice brunch, you know, listening to music on and on. You just make sure that you do that for yourself and then make sure that those things are happening in your life two to three times a day. And you'll see that your dependence on food will lessen. But the other pieces, like you said, it's a state changer. It's something we might be escaping from. It's something in our life we might be trying to control. And so we also have to realize there's these feelings and these unhealed wounds that we're all maybe trying to get away from a little bit, right? Food yep. can be a nice escape. So like you're saying, when you're fasting and all of a sudden all this stuff's coming up, you can choose another thing. Or what I love to do when I fast is realize, you know, like really get curious. Okay. Like where's that coming from? Sit with it. And I think fasting is a beautiful way to teach ourselves to self-regulate. And when I, like, I'm still learning this all the time, but I think that is the skill that if we realize these emotions that we might be running from, when we actually let them bubble up to the surface and then just experience and just witness them rather than judging them or trying to do something to change change them or get away from them, they can actually like move through us and leave. And then we won't have to have all these compensatory behaviors, food being one of them or like drinking or anything else. But I think a lot of it stems from just being uncomfortable with what we're experiencing, feelings we've been taught to label as bad or good. And also because of that lack of pleasure. That is brilliant. And I I love the idea of putting two to three things in ahead of time. So that you don't have to, and, and it's like when we go to change people's diet, we often will, instead of taking something out first, we will add good fat in 
So let's add something in and then we'll start to work on the taking out. So that's what I heard in that. And I'm actually going to incorporate that into our fast now is how do we add in some some pre-programmed state changers before we even... That worked for that person that before we even take food out of the equation. I love that because it's the same dep- deprivation mentality. That isn't going to get us anywhere, right? And no. we cannot hide from the fact that we have to experience pleasure. And so it's very normal if you're not doing it, which I mean, come on, right now... <laughs> It's yeah. really difficult to experience uh, pleasure in our lives, but yeah. we will be prompted to eat and it will just be on and on unless we do it. So yeah. it's really important. And, and dive in because I also just, we've had the, the fun part about the lens and audience that we have is we have literally seen hundreds of thousands of people fast and we have heard everything. I mean, I, I, I every comment, every limiting belief has appeared. And what I love of what you just said is that if you let that thought come to the surface, it will bubble up and go away. Help me understand that more because I think that's therein lies the fear is that if that thing comes up to the surface, I won't know what to do with it. Like what what if the, the limiting belief is that the only thing that makes me happy is food? And then that comes to the surface. You know, what if I have a realization that food is this incredible pleasure point for me? Like there's so many things or people get scared. Like we have a lot of people where the limiting belief is I'm going to die or I'm going to pass out or this is dangerous. Food is nourishing. So lack of food will make it so that my body is going to be ill. So when those limiting beliefs come up, is it just acknowledging them and just let them go away? Or is there anything else we can do when it just rears its ugly head? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think what we have to realize first is that our thoughts aren't facts, right? So when we really think, okay, where are these things that we are thinking about coming from? They're coming from culture. They're coming from our mom. They're coming from our teacher, from school. And that doesn't necessarily mean what we're thinking is always true, right? So when these feelings come up, my favorite thing to do is really just remember, I am, and I'm not even my thought right? So I can be having these fear-based thoughts that are not even coming from me, not even true. And all I get to do is sit and acknowledge and like kind of just appreciate them. Because in some way, these thoughts are probably planted seeds by someone trying to keep you safe, by you trying to keep you Mm -hmm. safe. But just by understanding, seeing them and saying, okay, thank you, brain, for I see what you're trying to do. You know, you're trying to keep me safe. You think this is fearful, but I'm okay, right? I know this is okay. I know a lot of people have done this. I know people see remarkable health transformation when they can incorporate this practice into their life. And so, well, I'm glad you're here trying to protect me. I'm just going to keep on keeping on because I know I'm just fine. I've got a support system and I can do this. Oh, I, I love that. And I hope that our, I hope people took notes on that because we actually brought on to our podcast a woman, her name is Diane Kazar. I don't know if you, you know her from the health mm-hmm. world. And her specialty is breast implant illness. And so we wanted to talk about the toxicity of beauty products and about breast implants. And so when I dove into her breast implant story, 
I asked her a similar thing to you. She had a moment where somebody said, you know, you would be, she was a fitness bodybuilder. You would be, you could be on the cover of the bodybuilding magazines if your breasts were bigger. And the minute that happened, she went and started to look into how do I get bigger breasts? And what, when I dove into her story, she said to me, the question you should probably ask me is what part of our culture programmed me to think that I needed to look a certain way. And what I just heard in your statement is when that limiting belief comes up, a good question would be to understand you didn't put that limiting belief there, that there might have been a, a parent, an authority figure, a culture that that implanted that into you and it doesn't have to be yours. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because you think about, we have all this marketing around us that they spend millions of dollars to these companies to understand exactly how to make you feel vulnerable and not good enough that you have to do something different. And then we have our parents, right, too. And they're looking out for our best interests, but they also have their own stuff that they're going through and their own trauma that's been passed down to them. And so, yeah, we're just kind of this big receptor for everyone else's ideas, especially when you're young. And so, yeah, just acknowledging those beliefs, they're important, they're in your mind, but they are not necessarily the truth and that you can acknowledge them, be grateful for them, and then move past them. Yeah. And I like what you said is like, thank them. Like you've kept me safe. Thank you very yeah. much. Now we're just going to let you let you go. And I, I think that's amazing. What are the 10 things you love to do? What are your state changers? Just because I know the other question we're going to get from resetters is like, well, I don't know. My, I mean, And that is true that a lot of people have used food and alcohol so much as a state changer that they don't even know what else would be a good state changer? Yes, this is a great question. And then I have another important exercise I want to share with your audience that has really been helpful. The first one is a hike. I mean, getting out into nature for me, I know that isn't always... You're not always able to do that in the middle of the day, but getting out into nature, music, there's something so powerful about the right kind of music, something calming. If I'm anxious, you know, if I'm fatigued, I'll do something a little bit more upbeat, but just like finding, I'm actually so nerdy. I used to like test my HRV. Do you know what HRV is? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, We test it here in the office and we're a fan of the aura ring. Yes, me too. And I would actually test it in real time and listen to music and see how that affected my HRV and which like kind of music made my HRV rise the most. It was really fascinating. So I have a very strong relationship with music. Dance. I do a dance party at least once a day. And it isn't like I'm not doing technique. It's like I put on a song and I move in any way that my body deems fit in that moment. Reading. I love to read. Meditation. I sit down. I meditate. I do some loving kindness meditation. That's my favorite one right now because I've been dealing with some challenging relationships. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I wish myself peace and health and prosperity. And then someone I haven't, I don't really know, but see on a regular basis, I do it for them. And then someone who is very challenging in my life. So that is very, very helpful. Also, I'll sometimes just sit down and in my sauna. I have a sauna in the basement. I sit sit down there. I'll just go take a walk around the block with my little dog, Charlie, and on and on. I have, you know, I could go... So you, all- you have a repertoire. And that, and that would be yeah. actually a whole nother level of thinking for people is that get a repertoire, know what it is before the stressful event happens. 
Exactly. A bath. That's always wonderful. And even though, I mean, I don't know if you allow this on your fasting protocol, but tea, herbal tea Mm -hmm. is lovely for me. Like I want a snack, but I just, I could have like a little apple cinnamon spice tea rather. And I know that would technically break the fast, but it's something that I've used to change my state, but not necessarily be eating too. We do, we do all kinds of fasting. And actually we, we encourage people to check their blood sugar because some people may actually do really well with tea and others don't. I am so against one size fits all for fasting for food. like We all have to go into our own self-exploration and understand what it is that works for us. So I love doing the testing of the blood sugar. And I I did it regularly, a really intense amount in the beginning. And now I kind of just know the foods that I've kind of tested them individually. Can I share that other exercise? Yeah, please do. Because strategies, this is going to be one of those episodes that when we put, when we go into fast, we do every other month, we do a 15 day experience where I take people through different forms of fasting, different types of eating so that people can discover what works for them. So this is the kind of information that we want to make sure our resetters get. Yeah. So the other reason I find that people eat or like lean too heavily on food is that because they're not living an authentic life. And often we're like, we're kind of not doing, we're not in touch with our desire. And so I have people do a desire inventory. And so all you need to do is write down the top 10 things that you always wanted from your life, you know, whether that's professionally or mom, being a mom or personally, your relationships, whatever it is that you have always wanted to do, just get really clear on that. So if it's, the things that you're not doing, you can figure out a path to doing them, right? And just like Mm -hmm. chunking it down and taking even the smallest step toward that goal. But when we don't live in alignment with who we are and what we are actually here to share, um, that creates stress. And again, we're trying to kind of run from those feelings that might pop up as a result. I love that. Now, what would happen if you write down your what you're what you want to be doing and you realize that there's a big gap between what you would like to be doing in your life and what you're actually doing for some people <laughs> that could be a very depressing exercise do you have any strategies for how do you how do you move towards your dreams and not get frustrated Absolutely. And this is what I realized, like, this is what I'm good at is chunking it down. What is the smallest level of steps? So if you want to start like working out, you can start with like a walk around the block and then you can just make sure that your sneakers are there or just like the simple, Mm. smallest step that you're setting up yourself up for sex, sex every time. Now, yeah, you might see this big chasm and you might realize, wow, I am way off track. I would also recommend picking one element of your life, whether that be family, work, whatever it is personally, and focusing on that for like one month and then get that one habit or move in that direction for 30 days. And then after that, you can switch to the next one because anyone who has these health habits that they cultivated or this life that, they've li- that they're living that they've always wanted to live, it's little by little by little by little. And it's just a daily decision to remember who you are and what you think that you're here to do and just recommitting every single day. I love that. I have a good friend who wrote a book called Manifest That Miracle. And in fact, we had her on this podcast. And one of her strategies is that when you're trying to manifest what you want in your life, you have to be grateful for what's already shown up. Mm. So talk a little bit about like where, especially in health. So if I'm sitting here and I've got 50 pounds to lose, and I am frustrated and I see where I want to go. How are there strategies that I can be grateful for where I'm at? How do, how do you be grateful when you don't like where you're at? 
What a great question, right? Okay, because I know so many of us are there. I've been there. And what I like to remember is that this body is on my side. And when we're not where we want to be, we're receiving messages to let us know, hey, we might be moving in the wrong direction. We might be doing something that's irritating the body. We might not be acknowledging feelings that we... We need to acknowledge right now. And so I practice being grateful for, even at my worst, I had cystic acne. I was working out with like the most beautiful people in the whole wide world. My face looked terrible. And I had to, at a, you know, eventually come to the place where I was like, wow, I'm grateful for that because I did look like I had it all together on the outside aside from that. Um, and if I had kept ignoring my health, I probably would have developed, developed something far more serious like cancer, mm-hmm. some sort of autoimmune disease because I was not listening. I was not in relationship, like in a positive relationship with my body. I was trying to dictate what it was doing, how it was looking. And so, yeah, just realizing, wow, these annoying symptoms that have us sometimes so sad when we wake up in the morning, they are messages to say that we're out of alignment. And so first acknowledging that. Then second, I do a lot of mirror work with people and gratitude work. And this has two parts because a lot of people are like doing everything they can to just avoid themselves, right? Just... Yes. Yeah. And so what we do is... It's a great statement. They are. They are. And this comes to like, like visually, I see a lot of women who are just like, oh, I can't. I I don't even want to see myself. And so what we do is slowly, just in stages, we work at like being in the mirror. And it's not like you have to say, I love everything I see, but you just need to find one thing, one thing that you can love. And I've heard women say, okay, you know, they would say like, oh, I just, I can't find anything that day. It's okay. Come back tomorrow. And then they'll say, okay, I can say my fingernail. I like my fingernail. I'm like, that is a brilliant start. And then you move out from there. And then the next day, maybe it's your ankle. And we just work on like acknowledging. And again, acknowledging your body is here sending you a message. The last thing I like to have people do is gratitude for their body function. Again, taking us mm. away from this, my the shape of my body is the most interesting thing about me, which it is absolutely not. And just into what is your body doing for you on a daily basis? Just name two things that you can be really proud of. Like, can your legs, do they allow you to walk? Can your arms allow you to like hug people that you love? Are you writing? Are you a writer? And you can just write things out with your fingers. Can you dance? Like, and it doesn't need to be a dance that anyone else would need to watch, but just can you dance and experience joy in that? And so I think, yeah, understanding that our body is here to teach us something and that is trying to get our attention because it wants us to succeed in love or live a happy, healthy life. Yep. And then also maybe incorporating some sort of mirror work and then the daily body gratitude that's tied to function rather than form. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. 
So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. The interesting thing about that mirror work is that my journey with my own health is that, so I was a competitive tennis player and from just the stress, kind of like a little less dancer because we weren't so focused on our weight, but the stress of all of the training, my body was broken at 20 years old. I was exhausted. I had multiple injuries. I was carrying extra weight. I had chronic fatigue at 20. I couldn't get out of bed. So I literally hit rock bottom at 20. And what, one of the things that I have come to realize in helping a lot of people through that moment of breakdown is that you can't heal a body you hate. And mm. it's so easy to hate your body when it's not functioning properly. So I actually did the mirror thing intuitively. And I was like, I'm just because what's a lot of women and, I, and men may do this as well. What they do is they go and they look at the mirror and we're so programmed to find the thing that we don't like. And we yep. go, oh, look at like, I don't like that my belly looks like that. Or I mean, how many women like just do a full assessment? How many times a day? At least twice when you're, you're getting dressed. And we... We take inventory of what we don't like. And so what I started to do is really look at, A, what do I like? And then I also did the same thing of like, what is functioning? So when I had chronic fatigue really bad, I happened to stumble upon a book called Living in the Light by Shakti Gawain. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard that book. It's, it's a classic and, and it's a book on meditation. And I remember laying in, on the couch and thinking, well... If I can't do, if I can't do anything, I can lie here on the couch and I can love from the couch and I can meditate and I can visualize there. My brain is still working even if my body's not. And it was the door in, it was the step in to healing. It was like the moment I switched the question from why is my body behaving like this? Why am I in breakdown? What am I missing at 20 years old? And I turned around into a place, well, if this is where I'm at. This is what I can do. That's when the healing happened. I love that you said that. That's so important. And like Martin Seligman, he is this positive psychology guy. And we realized we can retrain the brain rather quickly. And these paths that are more worn, like you said, culture, and like you said, looking for what I don't like, I don't like, they can be reversed. And that's just like that small daily effort to focus on what do I love about my body? Because you're right, that is where the healing occurs. And I wanted to share one other thing is that in this culture, we have this perception, we've been talking about it, that thin equals happy. That, okay, well, I'm yes. going to hold my happiness hostage because it's when I lose that weight, that is when I'm going to do the things that you know I should be doing. And the secret is you got to do those things before and that's going to actually get there. So who are you going to be? What are you going to look like? What are you going to dress like? Where are you going to go? What's your persona? All of those things that you're waiting to do until your weight is exactly where you want it to be. You got to do them now because I can tell you, I work 
worked with some of the most beautiful people in the world that everyone else would look at and say that because I think beauty is, you know, so many different things. They weren't any happier. Mirror work, we had to do it with them. It wasn't this like, yes, I'm beautiful and I'm thin. And so life is good. They still had to do this work too. All this work that, you know, we're asking to you to do. Yeah, I hope resetters, you guys are listening to that because again, we've got hundreds of thousands of people that come to, to fasting. And I would say 50% of them come to lose weight. And when they start to lose weight, one of the things that they realize is that their, that their unhappiness wasn't because of the weight. Their unhappiness was because of something else. And it, it really is it with weight. I don't understand why it's with weight. There is this mentality of when I lose the weight, my life will begin. My life will be the miracle that it was meant to be. And it's so, not true. No. It's all a lie. That, it's yeah, a lie. And I'm telling you. Because when I was at my thinnest and my fittest at Tracy Anderson, I would still look in that mirror and I would still find something else. Oh, this could be thinner. Oh, I could be trimmer here. Oh, yeah. It was all a racket and it was all a lie. And it wasn't until I made these daily concerted efforts to say, okay, who am I? What do I want? What is my body doing for me already? How can I be grateful for these symptoms? And just tried every day, even if it was a struggle, just even if it felt so artificial, just going there, retraining the brain. And just remember exactly, we are so much more than this. And yes. happiness yes. can't be tied to this or it will always elude you. Always. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. One of my favorite video clips that I ever saw of Tony Robbins is he said that he has worked with the poorest of the poor and he's worked with the richest of the rich. And so this was a, on, on the topic of money. And he said that, that he's seen incredibly poor people so happy. And he's seen incredibly rich people so miserable. And what he said was that there was only one thing in life that brings you happiness. And that is growth. If you feel like you are growing, if you feel like you are moving along in, the, in life, whatever, whether it's your relationships, your health, wherever, that if you feel like you're progressing, that is where happiness comes from. Oh, would I you, could not Would you agree say that's more. true? Oh, I could not agree more. It's this comparison kind of thing where we've been tracked in, or trapped in and this weight kind of thing. But yes, when we realize all I need to do is be a little bit better than I was the day before. And that is specific to me. And so taking these small steps and making small efforts to just grow, be more open. I also think being kind to ourselves, practicing gratitude, even just the smallest little step that you didn't take the day before, that's a big win and it should definitely be celebrated. So yeah, I could not agree more. And what do you, what do you think of the reverse of this? So we're talking about how we use food to calm our brain, the opposite happens, which is we eat the wrong food and it creates anxiety. Or like the food industry right now, I'm just so adamant that the food industry is like destroying our health because they've put all these chemicals in food to manipulate our taste buds, but they're neurotoxins that are excitatory and create anxiety. And they're causing us to gain weight quicker than we need to be, than, than we should be gaining weight. What, how do, what do you give us solutions or ideas around how we can judge if a food is actually the cause of our mental misery? 
Oh, I know it's such a big deal, right? And we realize these companies are literally spending millions of dollars to find these perfect combinations. I mean, they'll make like hundreds of different iterations of a product and then test, okay, which one is just bland enough, but kind of tasty enough to keep people eating so that they don't ever feel full. And this is because these companies have profit as their priority rather than your health. And so basically what I do when I work with people is we do like a reset, kind of like you do. Yeah. So the foods that we take out, grains and dairy, and definitely processed foods, sugar, but also alcohol and caffeine. And I don't think people need to live in that place. Oh my goodness, right? No way. We just do that for 28 days because the the truth is I love to get them to the place of intuitive eating. That is the goal. But when you're metabolically broken or you've been eating these processed foods that have hijacked your biochemistry, that's not going to work. Your intuition is being overrided. (laughs) And so basically taking that time to just detox from all processed foods, sugar, and foods that might be creating inflammation from you. And then when you come back from that new place, I would test them one by one. And I even just start with something like a breakfast challenge is where like first I have like some sort of carby breakfast. And I think it's really specific what you should be eating is if you make a list of your top five five foods, regardless of nutritional value, and then find the healthiest version of that. Because I think we need to be loving our food. I'm not going to tell you just to live on greens and whatever. But yeah, so breakfast, do like a carby one in the morning. And then also the next, and then note, how are you feeling? Energy, cravings, how is your mood? How is your digestion? How is your productivity? And then next time, do a different one. Do like eggs and bacon. See how that works for you. Then do a green shake, okay? And so every day, just being curious, okay? Letting go of anything you know about the foods and really trying to tune in to what's actually happening in your body. And one of the biggest things I'm on a mission to help people do is we are eating in a state where we're not even paying attention most of the time. We're driving, we are working, we're calling someone, we're watching TV. They've actually done studies to show that even just watching TV, your digestive capacity can be shut down like 100% just for multitasking, okay? So what I have people to do, take five deep breaths when you're testing these foods, when you're eating in general, and then notice, how does that food feel in my belly? It's practicing mindfulness with eating, okay? So I don't we'll ever know how foods are affect us. Or we'll never be able to tell if we're just listening to everyone else and whatever they have to say about food. The key is we need to be paying attention. We need to be eating mindfully and we need to be testing things strategically. But typically, if it's a processed food, right? Even these healthier paleo foods, these are better, but they're still just overly processed foods. I'm talking the Royal Road for me and the Yellow Brick Road has been whole foods, okay? And the variation, the macronutrients, they differ depending on my season, depending on where I'm at my cycle. There's even phases of nourishment. If I'm in like a healing phase or if I'm in an anything goes phase or if I'm in a, you know, whatever, they vary. But just sticking to the whole foods at least three times a year for 28 days periods, I think is so important to recalibrate and just succumb. So that's what we do with our program. Yeah, that that's so smart because I uh, people are very out of it touch. We interviewed, I don't know if you know, Dr. Bill Schindler. He is an anthropologist. You guys actually need to meet him. We should connect you. Okay. He is an anthropologist and an archaeologist. And he has studied how our ancestors ate and has brought it to the modern world. We just had a conversation with him this week and it was incredible. We can't wait to get this podcast out. But one of the things he said is that when we... And I had never thought about this. When we go to eat meat, we buy a piece like a chicken breast. We buy the breast. And it's we're disassociated from the fact that that breast 
came from an animal. And so what, like a, like a living animal that we could have gratitude for. So yeah. one of the things that he recommended is that buy, whole, don't buy the breast, buy the whole chicken, buy the whole turkey mm. so that, and then cook it and cut it up. And so that you have a sense that there was a, a living human creature or not human, a living creature there for you. <laughs> Definitely don't eat humans. No, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, not advocating that. <laughs> we're not advocating that on this show. But, but it was like, I, it, it was another layer of thinking around food that I had never really put in the forefront of my brain. Yes. And that's something since I've become a mother and because I moved to Boulder, we have the animals, we go to the farm, we see them. And sometimes in our business, wild pastures, it's that way you can get whole chickens. And there is something so humbling about just seeing, wow, something else gave its life for me to continue Mm -hmm. my life. And so, yeah, having that gratitude in addition to that mindfulness, I think that's really a powerful combination. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. So, okay, so you went from dancing to being sick to finding the paleo world to starting a a company that has amazing, by the way, you guys, beef sticks. We're going to have to get into that here in a moment. But I I love your beef beef sticks. But how did you all of a sudden decide to take on a company? Because that is not a stress-free endeavor. No, it is definitely not. And that was born out of that world tour that I went on because uh, I had found my health. And then all of a sudden for seven months, I was living in a suitcase. I, one, there was one day we were in three different countries in a day and I just couldn't, I didn't have staples. I didn't have the things I needed. And I've always been someone who's really driven. I want to travel. I've never been someone who wants to be cooking every meal. And I love people who are, it's just not me. And so I realized I've got to create these options because I want to have a child somehow someday. And I want to be able to give these to my friends because after I took my health back, to, so to speak, I just reached out to 200 of my friends. And I was like, let's do this together. It was so powerful for me. And they all saw benefits. And so when I knew I had that consensus, I was like, no, no, these people now too need these. And so yeah, we had never been in food manufacturing, but we were so young and we had so much energy and just like, We're like, we're just going to, we're going to do it. And so my husband, thankfully is very, a lot smarter than me. And he has this like bird's eye view of everything. And he's kind of one of those people who just, he can figure it out. No matter what he's given, he'll figure it out. And I'm the brain that's more of the specialist. And so we kind of like created this partnership, like you go figure stuff out. I'll figure what we need to make. And like, for health-based reasons. And we just thought, yeah, we could do that. And we had a coder, like um, we just randomly living in Los Angeles, you know, you never know who your roommate will be. A coder moved in with Chaz's brother and he was like, okay, we've got, you know, everything that we need to like make this work and be able to access a lot of people. So what was the first product you made? That was the beef stick because on yeah. the tour, when I, when I went to France, I had Chaz bring me over a suitcase of beef sticks. <laughs> And they were like the grass-fed version. Right. They still bothered my stomach. And that's kind of how we found out about encapsulated citric acid was that ingredient that you can use in pretty much every beef stick on the market. And it has GMO corn and hydrogenated oil. And it's, it's for the sake of preservation. And it's a small amount, but I'm telling my body, I'm like a canary in the coal mine. I'm just sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so it was, okay, I know that grass-fed beef, according to Dr. Felice Jacka, who does a lot of research on diet and mental health, it's one of the more depression and anxiety protective foods she's ever studied, which blew me away. And it wasn't something that I wanted to eat a lot. It just, I wasn't a big meat eater. But when I found this association, 
was like, and as a fitness trainer, I wanted a high protein snack. And so we fermented them. We made sure there were probiotics in them because we had to call 200 different manufacturers to do that because it doesn't make sense financially. So any company who's not devoted to health over profit is definitely not going to ferment their sticks. But we do. It takes four times longer. And so yeah, our beef sticks and they have probiotics. That was our first our first product. And then we moved to the Oregon complex once I got pregnant. So basically these products are just the story of our lives. You made up for yourselves. Exactly. And what do I need? I see my friends and family needing and what will I need when I have this little child I'm going to have? So yeah, it's just our life story. Well, yeah. the beef sticks, I, the, the thing that I love about them is just how easy they are. You just grab them, throw them in your bag. And when I first, you guys were so gracious and sent us a bunch of beef sticks. So we handed them out around our office and everybody was sampling their favorite. My, I like summer sausage, by the way. That's my favorite. You that's do. yours? Yeah. <laughs> the, the turkey one, the cranberry, was it like cranberry orange or orange turkey? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. that one, I'm, I'm like, I eat it. I'm like, I love this. And then the next bite, I'm like, do I love this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the brain goes back and forth, but summer sausage, I could eat a ton. Let me tell you about those turkey sticks, right? Love me some turkey. It's great. It's pasture turkey. We love that. We made those for the AIP community. And I know you have a diverse audience and some people yeah. might have an autoimmune condition, but I, I have a lot of friends in that community. And they were like, Autumn, I just need a snack. I need a snack. So there was like very a few amount of foods and spices that we could actually include. So you're yeah. right. I think our beef sticks are stronger taste-wise. Turkey's still really good. A little bit is a different flavor and it is for the autoimmune paleo protocol specifically. Uh, that's smart. Well, so then, so my kids are 20. My daughter's 20. She lives in Denver and my son will be 18 in a few weeks. And I, when I found out about the beef sticks, I was like, oh man, I wish I had had these for that moment that I would pick them up from elementary school. And you know, that moment that you have to have a snack or you're going to end up with a carload of kids that are screaming and crying and, and fighting. And I used to bring like, I would shove a bunch of rolled up, we actually called it a hammock, where we would roll up ham around cheese and I would like shove it in a bag and like get in the car and I'd be like, okay, here, eat this. <laughs> and now I'm like, God, where were those beef sticks? That's what I needed. So you, that was like a gift to every mother that you guys gave. For real. My little son lives on him and he is always like, mom, I need crackers. I'm like, after the beef stick, after the beef sticks. I mean, it's like I carry them, you know, on my body. I just have them all the time and keep his blood sugar nice and stable. So yeah. It's awesome. And why the organ supplement? That seems to be a really popular thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is very interesting. So when I started, when I got pregnant, I was like, whoa, my energy just tanked, right? I just mm. became more fatigued. And so when I was in my studies, I realized, okay, nutrient deficient wise, like I need a lot of B12 and I need, you know, all the minerals and I need magnesium. So I found liver liver has an anti-fatigue factor that has been documented in science. My brother is actually a marathon runner and he used liver, like, unfortunately, like he used to drink a liver shake in the, in the shower because it might make him vomit, which is a story for another day. But <laughs> athletes know that liver gives them energy and we know that they're like gram for gram, the most nutrient dense foods in the world. And they're also a food that our culture has lost touch with, right? Who eats organ meats anymore? It just doesn't happen. But because of that, we have big gaps in our diet, like vitamin A and vitamin B12 are huge amounts in liver and all of these minerals like copper. And we actually, we definitely need copper for energy production. 
selenium, zinc. So I wanted to create a way to not have to taste it because my husband would not tell me about it. He would be like, I'll surprise, you know, I'm not even going to tell you when it's coming because I didn't want the psychology of eating organ meats to be part of my repulsion. But no matter what he did, it was just, it just, it didn't sit well with me, especially when I was pregnant. And so we decided we needed to put them in capsules, heart, brain, and, or I'm sorry, we took the brain out, heart, liver, and kidney, and all from grass-fed and finished animals. Cause you do not want to be eating conventionally raised. No. Um, and the other cool thing about organs is that there's been scientists who won the Nobel Peace Prize showing that liver can actually cure pernicious anemia. And mm. there's this ancient principle called like cures like. And Dr. Nisha Winters, I don't know if you've been. Yeah, oh, we just, had, yeah, we love her too. She lives, she lives in Colorado part of the time. I know. Yeah, no, she's an amazing about. human being. She's amazing. And they always said like cures like. If you have eye troubles, you eat eyeballs. You know, if like you have reproductive troubles, you eat reproductive organs. And she was able to tell me that it's actually because those organs are mineral repositories basically for the nutrients that they need. And so there is something to that. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, this yeah is I love that. Cultures have been doing for way back in the day, but we needed to find a way to make it palatable <laughs> in the modern world. So that's where the capsules came along and the bypassing the taste buds completely. Can you overdo those supplements at all? Yeah, you know, Western A Price recommends like two, three ounce servings a week. Like you don't want to be hitting the organs too hard. There is some evidence that like people eating polar bear livers had vitamin A toxicity. And when you come to liver, there'll be like heavy amounts of vitamin A. And generally speaking, you know, once they stopped eating the polar bear liver, the symptoms went away. But but yeah, you can't overdo it. I say two, three ounce servings a week. And if you're in the first eight weeks of your pregnancy, there's evidence that vitamin A could be problematic. Now, this was a synthetic form of vitamin A they were taking during this trial. This was not a food-based vitamin A, which I think might work differently, but it is something to be aware of. And maybe if you want to be cautious about, just maybe take it out of the equation during that period. Yeah. And so I have an interesting story with the organ meats. I interviewed Paul Saladino. He's the carnivore quote. I don't know if you've talked to him. And so I, I, I've been, I said to him, um, convince me that I need to eat organ meats because I'm like you. I do not like the taste of it. And we had talked to a woman, Allie Miller, who does the anti-anxiety diet. And she told me that you can take two-thirds regular meat and then a third organ meat and mix it together in a burger kind of thing so that you don't taste it, which I thought was a great idea. Still, I'm dubious. I'm like, I I know I'm going to taste it. I'm not going to like it. So Paul said to me, that he asked me, well, let me ask you a question. He goes, where are you getting your riboflavin from? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Where am I getting it from? He goes, you're not getting it from anywhere if you're not having organ meat, which is riboflavin is B2. It wow. is a B vitamin. And he's like, you have to have, and that's key for brain function. And so, so I ordered some of his supplements. And then of course, like I do, I did too many of them. I did a bunch of them. And one day I was, I was like feeling really emotional. And a good friend of mine who's a functional health coach said, how many of those organ meats did, or organ supplements did you take? (laughs) I'm like, I think I took too many. So that's why I ask. And so you do wonder, and I know we're getting like super esoteric now, but what, you know, there's emotions in each one of those organs. Like liver is anger. And this would be something to invite Nation in on the conversation. But like liver is anger. I don't know what, what were the other ones that you put in there? You said you don't do brain. Liver, heart, and kidney. Yeah, heart. 
So sadness, maybe. Yeah. Do you, where, where are you getting, where do you get your stuff from? I assume you guys source really good products. Oh, of course. And we get our organs domestically. So all grass fed and finished farms. That's like our sister company. It's called Wild Pastures. And we just partner with farmers who are doing regenerative, like, rotational grazing and soil armor and things that are like you can measure are fixing the environment. So we partner with those farms. And then we're really big on using the full animal as well, whole animal utilization. And so they come from exactly from those same farms. Yeah. Amazing. And okay. And other than the beef sticks, just so our audience knows, you guys have a whole, you have other stuff, like you have bars and you have powders. Oh, your protein powder, by the way, I, I think could be really good in some recipes other than just smoothies because it doesn't have a flavor. So thank you for just making it neutral because uh, there's so much you can do with that if it doesn't have a flavor. It's so true. And I just want to say it's a little bit different than the other collagens on the market because it's actually a bone broth protein powder. And so most collagens are made from animal hides. And then, you know, as you might imagine, heavily processed in order to create collagen. But what we did was we took those grass-fed and finished bones And then we just like boil them down and then they just become, it's just like a bone meal essentially with a lot of collagen in it and super clean. And honestly, I don't think any of the other ones on the market are both grass-fed and grass-finished. But yes, I put those in fat bombs. I put them in my morning smoothie. I put them in dessert. I put them in his yogurt or whatever. Like my little guy gets that bone broth protein powder daily and it's easy. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And he doesn't know he's getting it. No, you would know too. Oh man, my Maverick. (laughs) That's amazing. Tell me what, if you had, if you and I were like standing in the grocery store together and you were like, oh, I started this company, Paleo Valley. What would you say the mission of your company is? What is it that like you guys stand for or what you're trying to do in the world? Just so our audience understands the heart behind you. Yeah, we just want to empower people to understand that like every single bite and every single time you choose what to put in your body is a powerful opportunity to either improve your health or detract from it. And also just that every single ingredient matters, not only for your health, but like where it's coming from, the practices used to raise that ingredient, and that we are all the creators of this market. And so every time we are choosing, we are telling food manufacturers, what we think is acceptable and what we think is not acceptable. And so our company is just about empowering people and making sure that they have the tools that they need to live an incredibly vibrant life. And also realizing that they have that power. Vote. You you tell the food system what you'll tolerate three times a day. And so just use that vote wisely. Oh, I love that quote. It's so true. Vote with your dollars. So if you keep buying the crap, they'll keep making the crap. But when you withdraw, I mean, how do you think the whole gluten-free movement started? You know, Lay's has a whole gluten-free and and, and Betty Crocker has a bunch of gluten-free cakes. So, you know, not because they got a conscious and they're like, oh, we want to make good products is because people are demanding, people are interested in, and then that's all the feedback they need. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. And how do people find your products? I know we will put a link in there, but are you guys online only? Or are you in stores? Are you in Whole Foods? You know what? We are just online. We like to keep our team nice and lean. And we've heard going into the store, like, here's why we didn't want to. Because anytime you go into retail, that means the consumer, it's going to be a lot more expensive. That means most companies would decide to kind of 
take away from the quality of their products or cut corners. But we think if we did go into retail, we would price our products out of uh, out of consumers. They wouldn't be able to afford them because we refuse to make the quality less than we deem necessary. So we're all online, paleovalley.com. Wild Pastures is the regenerative meat delivery service. And we're in the Denver area and the Phoenix area and two-day shipping there out from there. But we will be nationwide soon. So wildpastures.com. You can always reach out to me personally, autumn at paleovalley.com. If something I said made you happy or sad, or you just want to yell at me, I'm just open to all. <laughs> <You're different. laughs> I, I don't know if I would say I don't know if I would open up that door, but it's okay. You might, you know, we never know what, what our people will say. The meats you can only get in in Phoenix or Denver area, right? But Paleo Valley will go like you can ship all over the world. Anywhere. And we have like an apple cider vinegar complex, which is really nice. Like I've shown, there's research to suggest it can like boost ketone production and also really great for cravings. So it's a really like fasting, you know, helpful product there. Organ meats, tumor complex, essential C complex, you know, a greens powder without cereal grasses. Yeah, we got lots of stuff. And neural effects. Yeah, you guys did a really... I mean, when when you sent us a little care package, I immediately opened it up. I looked at everything, looked at the ingredients. I was like super picky. And because, you know, people send us stuff a lot. And I'm like, nope, this is junk. This is junk. And there's a lot of keto junk out there. So I'm just really picky about what I either will tell my community that I love or I'm going to put in my body or my family's body. And after going through your care package, I was like... They knocked it out of the park. This is amazing. <laughs> so then I like started eating it. I'm like, and it tastes good because I'm the type of person that would be like, I'll put up with the fact that it's healthy, even if it doesn't taste good. I'm fine with that, but not my son. So my son has been eating our bee sticks like left and right. And I'm actually now have to create my own little set, like storage of beef, beef sticks because he goes into them and grabs them before soccer practice and... It's awesome. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm that utilitarian eater as well, but I test all of our products through my son. <laughs> yeah. And he is not. How old so is that's he? Why they taste He's five. Oh, and yeah. So, good. You know, yeah. Oh, he'll be very honest. He'll be very, honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, an 18 year old's pretty honest too. They, they, they won't hold back. So it de- definitely. So let's finish up with this. And you guys, we'll put, we'll put links in there for the Paleo Valley stuff. And what I would encourage you to do is go and order. Well, I'm going to tell you to go order the beef sticks first. And then let me know what your favorite one is. Go on our social media and let us know. But Autumn, I love to finish with like five questions, like rapid fire questions, just so that we, our audience can make sure that they officially know you well. Uh, <laughs> my, my first question to you, for sure. I mean, my vibe in talking to you is that self-care is really, really important for you. I would think now you are, you own a company and you have a five-year-old. I don't know if you have more kids than that. This one. Just one. But what's your favorite self-care activity that you do or activities that you do on a weekly basis? On a weekly basis. Okay. I'll say I always have... I dance. I mean, daily. That makes my heart so happy. I have a sauna. And then I just practice mindfulness. I'm telling you, that is so... like To be able to be present with my little guy and just to know that I've given him my full attention, it just kind of alleviates some of that mommy guilt for me that I have from doing all these other things. So yeah, sauna time dance party, mindfulness with my little boy. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know what I started doing is Wim Hof breathing. Have you tried any of the Wim Hof breathing? Oh man, I do cold showers. 
I haven't, I, I done haven't the, gotten the there yet. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> you got to do it. Do you do it in the winter and Boulder? No, no, it's seasonal for me. And I don't do it the week before my period either. Cause it's like, I can, or like when we moved, like I can tell when my body's a little bit too stressed already and I back it off of it. But yeah, if you can just put two songs, Mindy, this is what I do. You two songs and then you just go around different parts of your body. And so it's not like oh. you're sitting there suffering. It's like, you kind of distract yourself, you know, like, yeah, like sometimes people do with food or whatever, but with just like music and like movement and you can do it. Oh, I love it. Okay, I'll try that. That was good. Okay, what this year, 2020, what was the best book that you've read? The one that stands out to me is just because I just read it is Sacred Cow. Have you read that? No, we just got it. And the co-owner or the co-author, Diana, I believe her name is, she's coming on our podcast so we can chat with her. It is so well done and such a a nuanced area that is right now like super polarizing. And so I just loved her approach and the research back way that they put everything together. Yeah, it's just beautiful. What was your biggest takeaway from the book? I loved basically because I come from this space where it's like grass fed, you know, it's so important. It's so important. My biggest takeaway is that, you know, there's a lot of people, half of the world is living in poverty. And so like animal products have a really important place for a lot of people in a variety of variations. And so just basically like not demonizing any kind of animal product and just allowing people to do what they need to do to feed their families and to meet them where they're at there. That was my big takeaway. I love that. I love that. Okay. If you could go back and talk to your high school self and give her advice, what would you tell her? Oh man, my poor high school self. Um, It would just be, (laughs) she was kind of a mess. Just keep listening to your heart and that it's all going to be okay. I know it's just like, I learned in high school that, you know, I, I needed to be something else because I was unlovable in some way. And I just totally shut off that intuitive, you know, intuition that we all have. I just wish that I had known you're good. You're good. And you keep on listening. I wish I knew oh, that. I love that. Okay. What's your favorite Paleo Valley product? That's tricky, but I think it's the Essential C Complex. Not a lot of people understand that um, most most vitamin C on the market is made from GMO corn, right? And I think there's a time and place for all types of vitamin C. But when I started taking a little more of our Essential C Complex, like our vitamin C in whole food form, I felt like a new person. And it turns out our needs for vitamin C vary, and some people just need more. And especially if you have like brain-based disorders, it can be tied to oxidative stress. Vitamin C can be a really powerful, like super safe alternative treatment. And so that's definitely my favorite. That was awesome. Okay. And the last one, this is what I ask everybody. If there was one message you could get implanted in every human brain in the world about life, health, anything, if there was one message you can get into everybody's brain, what would it be? What came to me first, probably a result was we are connected. We are all Mm. connected. But also I'd love to say like, you are enough. Those two. Yeah. I just think if we all knew that, like, it would be like, you could be so much happier. I know. Oh, I love that. Well, Autumn, this was amazing. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your products. We really have been, again, we've zeroed in on the beef sticks here in our office and at home, but we've just been so grateful for the work that you guys have done. So and just keep doing it, keep doing it. And we really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful to talk with you. And everyone told me how lovely you are, but 
It's oh. lovely. It's nice. <laughs> you're all not- right. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, I want to share with you a couple of really cool programs that we do that are either free or at really low cost. And let me start off with those of you that want to learn how to build a fasting lifestyle. Once a month, I do something called Fast Training Week. And I do it on YouTube. I do it on my in my Resetter Collaborative on Facebook. We do it on Instagram. So we take our whole social media community and we come together and fast together. I always give you two fasts that you can do. A lot of people love to try a three to five day water fast or I'll do one of the other seven fasts where I'll teach you autophagy fasting, I'll teach you fast mimicking, I'll teach you how to do some of the longer like 36-hour weight loss fasts. So I always give you two options and guide you through the experience and you get to do it with a community of people that are all on a trying to build a fasting lifestyle like you. So you can find that on my community page on YouTube, or you can join the Resetter Collaborative on Facebook or follow us on, follow me on Instagram. Okay. The other thing that we do that's really cool is our Reset Academy. And the Reset Academy is really a place where you and I can interact in a deeper level where my team can help support you in building a fasting lifestyle and learning how to do more variation. So I realize that it is hard when you're learning pieces of information that you don't always know how to put together different fasts, different styles of keto. When do you eat to build hormones? Definitely there's a complexity to it. So in the Reset Academy, what we do is we as a community work together to help you guide yourself into a fasting variation and diet variation. And again, both both of these events are filled with so much support and knowledge and love. And it's just an incredible experience to come together and all in the name of health. So join me in either of those. I would love to support you and guide you and make sure that your health is thriving. So I'll see you in one of those programs. Okay, Resetters, Jessica and I are back with our thoughts on our interview with Autumn. And I will tell you the... I I feel like I was able to talk to her about things around food and fasting, the emotional part that I haven't been able to really pick somebody's brain on, but so needed to be discussed. Don't you think? Yeah. I feel like we haven't had a conversation like this, maybe with Wellness Mama a little bit, but we got to like really dive into a whole different subject with Autumn. Yeah. And like, so to give you guys a little bit of a perspective, uh, we now have close to 300,000 people on across all of our platforms that are watching the information that we're giving. And then what ends up happening is we get all your questions and we love them. And we've got a team of people that are engaged in them. And one of the things that really we get over and over again, whether it's fasting or food, but there's the mental blocks that show up. And I feel like we have our own little tricks that we've used, but we haven't really like discussed with an expert what to do with those tricks. So the fact that I was able to unpack that with her and she could give us strategies and she had a background in it was so refreshing for me. Like, I'm so, I hope you guys give us feedback because I really hope you had that same experience with this. 
Yeah, and I'm just excited to have a resource to now share with people because you're right, we do get a lot of comments. We do get a lot of emails about the mental and the emotional piece of fasting and diet variation and all of that, but it's not really yours, ours, and our team's expertise. So the only thing we can really share is what we do in our own personal life. But she really gave some concrete steps that I think people can easily use in their daily life. So I'm excited to have a resource to share with everybody. Yeah, agreed. What did you think uh, a couple of like aha moments for me were the idea that you would identify your state changers ahead of time? Yes. And you would put them into your day before you, like I was thinking of state changers and the way I've been teaching the resetters is like when you go into a fast, have a a toolbox of state changers. Mm -hmm. But what I love that she said is, yeah, have a toolbox, but have them already set into your schedule. Yeah, I know. Well, so I was curious. I'm like, did you think of any for yourself? I I was just going to ask you that. (laughs) You go first. I think when she first said it, I was like, reading, sunshine, being out in nature, watching Lifetime movies. I know that sounds really ridiculous. Lifetime movies? Yeah, like, you know, like the Hallmark Channel. I was just going to say like the Hallmark (laughs) Channel. Something like, how old are you? (laughs) Are you like 80? (laughs) I think I watched the Hallmark Channel when I was a little kid. Do not watch it during like Christmas time? I did, but I'm 50 years old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, where's Andrea? Because her and I geek out on the Christmas Hallmark Lifetime movies. <laughs> and you're like, what, 29? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, now I know what to get you for Christmas. I know what to like do for you when you need a day off, get you like a series of Hallmark. A blanket, yeah. yeah. And uh, a Lifetime movie. I love it so much. It just warms my heart. <laughs> Playing with my dogs, talking to my family, geeking out on travel. I could spend all day just you researching do do travel and that just makes me happy yeah are you doing that during the pandemic yes yeah I have like a whole map of places I'm ready to go especially after talking to Bill I definitely gotta I researched and stalked him the other day I was like where can I find all the places he's going yeah for sure for sure well I so then you do but here's the question do you do it ahead of time like do you have them in place knowing I mean I think the, the my takeaway on that particular topic is knowing that they're state changers, Mm -hmm. like knowing that you need state changers if you're not going to use your food as state changers. Right. I think that's really important. I would agree. I think sometimes I'm very good at tapping into like, you know, especially like when your husband or your spouse is gone, you're like, oh, I'm going to sit all day and watch Lifetime movies, something he would totally not want to do. And I'm going (laughs) to love my dogs and it gets me all excited. So I feel like in moments I plan it out. And sometimes I, it's, I think it's also giving myself permission to, mm. I think it's like what she said, that we're allowed to experience pleasure. Like we don't always have to be doing, like we don't have to always be go, go, go. Like we can give ourselves permission to like take a couple hours and do something lovely, which is so much easier said than done. Cause I've said it to you maybe a million times. And yet I, I also struggle sometimes actively participating in things that bring me just like pure joy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you know, I need a few more state changers. So (laughs) I will tell you that for sure, hands down, the number one state changer for me is music. Mm. I will put like, we have Alexa in our kitchen. And if I got to clean dishes and I don't feel like doing it, I will, I have my favorites channel and I'll put it on. And that really, really works. Interesting. So, and I've actually learned that cleaning 
doing dishes, cleaning the house with the right music can actually be relaxing. I would agree. That can be fun. Right? And it can clear my mind. Like I feel calmer once it's done. What kind of music do you play? Well, that's a great question. So of course, 80s. I have to have 80s, 80s, but I've kind of outdone 80s recently. So I have 80s rock and 80s pop. I went through a period where I loved Ed Sheeran. And recently I've got my yoga music. So I I put on like Krishna Das. Even I'm really strange with my music loves. In fact, my Paxton the other day came in and he's like, are you listening to Christian music? And I'm like, yeah, I was listening to yoga, Krishna Das chanting uh, some yoga music and followed by some Christian music. I'm, I just, I'm super open to all different kinds. Yeah. So that's awesome just, though. Yeah. So I like anything that kind of gives me some inspiration. We actually, the other day on our Alexa, we were t- put a timer on for food. And when Sequoia went in and said, Alexa, you know, put on 10 minutes timer. And Alexa said, while you're waiting, would you like to listen to something inspirational? <laughs> you're like, why? Yes, I would. <laughs> he, he was like, yes, I would. So I walk in and there's legit this motivational speaker coming out. I don't even know who it was speaking out of Alexa. And I'm like, who is this? And what are you listening to? And he goes, I don't know. Alexa gave me the option to listen to it. So I did. <laughs> so I did. Oh my gosh. So I, love I it. wonder if I could maybe go to Alexa and say, Alexa, I need to be put in a better mood and, and see what she says. We're going to try that today. Okay. Let's I'll just try see it. what happens. <laughs> yeah. But for sure, music, the other thing I would say that the pandemic has taught me is puzzles. Yeah. So in fact, puzzles and podcast listening has become the most calming thing for my brain. Like I can legit like get out of any funky mood. I can go from like a rat race week, like the one we've had this week. And I can just, my brain will calm down if I put a podcast or I've been doing um, books on tape or books Mm. on audio, I guess. What book are you listening to on audio? I well, I was listening to a couple of things. So I started off listening to Vision's Buddha and the Badass, mm-hmm. and I decided that I needed to get the book. So then I actually went. You know what book I really like is Alicia Keys' memoir. Oh, interesting. Is yeah. she narrating it? Yep. Yep. Oh, and it's really good. So I've been listening to that, and then I just started. I texted you the other day. I've been listening to Story Brand. Mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, about storytelling. Yeah. I, so it's really interesting. I love Lewis Howe's podcast. Oh. So I listen to him a lot. He's magic. Um, yeah. Brene Brown started off with a podcast, but then she hasn't been doing a lot lately. So I like people who are like really good at how they flow conversation. It just kind of makes my brain calm down. And then the puzzle table is right in front of our bay window so that I can look out and watch people on the street. So it's kind of, it. it's just a weird little like calming for my brain. It's and good. I would say I would say that and I would say cleaning the house to good music, which is so silly, but it is uh, it calms my brain. Walking the dog, going on a on a walk with the for, just walking, just going out and walking around. Mm-hmm. The other thing that calms me is go get a bunch of plants and get my hands in dirt. Ooh, yes, plant. that's a yeah. good one. Yeah, and then we put uh rocking chairs in front of our house. And so now I'll sit in the chair and rock. <laughs> you, yeah, you want to talk about 80? Are you 80? <laughs> <laughs> I 
know. So, but actually, it uh, sounds really delightful. So I don't know why I'm mocking you. It's really delightful, and then you could see your neighbors and you wave. And it's <laughs> actually really nice. So, but my if I leave the house, things like mountain bike riding and hiking, like getting into nature, and she said that getting yeah. into nature, I do think that something happens in nature that because of the microbiome and the ionic change in the air. There's just something about that. I could, you could put me, and you you know me quite well, but you could put me literally in a beach chair on the beach on a nice warm day and I could sit there for hours without a book, without any music, just watching the waves come in and out. Mm-hmm. There's something about the rhythmic of mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. I could I could do. So well, and it kind of ties into what she ended with, which was that we're all we're all one. I she had a more beautiful way of saying we're all it. Connected. We're all connected. There we that go. That was oh that was really good. And I feel like that's so true when you get out into nature, there's there's this like connectedness that you don't get when you're sitting inside an office building all day or inside your home all day, on, especially on a computer all day. So yeah, I do what think a, there's something so special about nature. Wh- what about the mirror thing? Have you ever done the mirror thing she was talking about? I haven't. It's interesting. I, I mean, I guess I don't really think about the mirror thing very often, but you know, when she was saying it, what I was reminded of was one of the things Nicole taught us, which was like when you get out of the shower and you're naked, mm. you stand in front of the mirror and you say that you love yourself or I love all of me or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. I used to do it. I haven't done it in a really long time, but yeah. Do you, when you look, when you look in the mirror, do you criticize yourself ever? Some, for sure. Sometimes. I think everybody must. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe but I'm then wrong. I think also I'm wondering, is it subconscious? Like, am I not actively aware that I'm criticizing myself? But I think we all do on some level, but I I mean, there's something so special and unique about each one of us that we should probably be looking for the good more than we are the bad. But it's like, you know, we always talk about the brain is so programmed to focus on the negative that I think sometimes you don't even actively know that you're criticizing yourself or you're critiquing yourself in front of the mirror. Yeah. And I think that's the trick is getting, is understanding how the, the brain is playing a tape that you're not even aware of. And I, so the, it was interesting that she said the thing about the mirror because I, I really caught myself doing that for a long time. I, th- I think I've told you this story before that I, you know, my mom was very much a, oh, you had a bad day, come on over and eat. And so mm-hmm. I learned that food was uh, like what you did to emotionally soothe. Mm-hmm. And it was just what she knew how to do. So no criticism on her. But I, when I got into my 20s, I was an emotional eater. And anytime I had a bad day, I would just eat. Mm-hmm. And so for a good part of like from about 17 on to like 23, 24, I carried extra weight. And I would look in the mirror and criticize myself. When I went, uh, when I started to understand more about how the brain works, when I started to understand more about what the body needed, I said to myself, okay, what if I did the opposite? I looked in the mirror and instead of critiquing the places that I don't like, what if I start to look at the places that I do like? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I've done it. I mean, that was my early 20s. I'm 50 now. Like that habit, it just took years that I literally, when I look in the mirror, I only have gratitude. That's I only, amazing. I only focus on the things that I love. That's amazing. But that's taken me 30 years of a habit. Right, right. So I think that, and I can't, so I think it's, that part was really cool. Like, I really think that was neat that she said that. And I think, you know, is what you're saying 
about either about yourself or about your situation a fact, or is it something somebody has told you? I thought that was pretty profound oh, what she said. Was, oh, yeah. Like, is that actually the truth? Or is that, you know, somebody else's interpretation that was told to you that you've now gleamed onto it as a fact? That, it, that was really profound. And I think I, that is something for you all to take away from this for sure, is that fasting, changes to your diet brings your stuff up. And then you have an opportunity to acknowledge that it's not, you don't, it's not yours, that right. you didn't implant it there. Right. And I, I think even if, even if it does come up and you think it's yours, you have permission to no longer be attached to it. Mm-hmm. You have permission to let it go and you don't have to own that, that story yeah. or that fact forever. One of the greatest courses that I ever took was at a church that I was going to when my kids were little. And it was like a foundational class for the church. And Sequoia and I were doing it together. And the first day, the pastor gets up there and he says, okay, so the next, it was like an eight-week course. We're going to just really dive into a lot of things that are thought patterns that are holding you back. And as I bring things up to you, what I want you to realize is that there is a good chance that something I say will trigger you. And you're going to want to lash out at me and you're going to think that it was my fault that I said something that irritated you. But I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that it's not me. You implanted the trigger. Somebody else planted the trigger. There is a button inside of you that can be pushed that got implanted years ago. And whatever I say is just a statement that is triggering and accessing that button. It wasn't me. It was the button that's there. And the goal of this course is to remove that button. That's amazing. Right? Everybody needs to go through that though. I know. And so it made me realize, I actually think about this a lot now when I get, when I say something and I watch somebody else get triggered. And then I just have this sort of like, that's interesting. I just must've hit a button of theirs. But it's a really nice way to not take things personally because you're like, I just was making a a statement and they're having a reaction to the statement. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that my statement is erroneous or is it that whatever I said triggered something? Right. Well, and ultimately we can only be responsible for our own thoughts and actions. And so not taking on other people's triggerings, other people's emotions, what what somebody is going through, like you have permission to not take that on as well. Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah. like when I'm talking to Andrea and I'll like talk through something, what's so cool is like once you've practiced it for a while, like identifying when it's your stuff or when it's a thought that, or some, it's a pattern that you know you need to break. What I love when I come to her with a problem and I'm like, I know this is me. Like I'm clearly aware that this is my issue. Now yeah. help me break X, Y, and Z. But if you'd asked me that to do that five years ago, I wouldn't have even identified that it was my thing that I've got to get rid of or uh, something that's deeply lodged in that somebody said to me years ago that I've now taken on as a fact. Right. But it's like fasting. When you see it, you can, you can, and I loved what she said that when that bubbles to the surface, you can identify it and then let it go. And I, mm-hmm. she said that so effortlessly. That's why I brought her back to that. I was like, can we come back to that? Because yeah. We hear it from resetters all the time when they're fasting. They're like, all the limiting beliefs. And then they go to social media and they say all the limiting beliefs. But what I would hope that you all gather from that is, hallelujah, it came to the surface. Right. So at that point, acknowledge it, thank it, and let it release it out into the world. Right. 
it's such a, it's so cool if you can reframe it for yourself like that. Right. Agreed. It was a great conversation. I almost, you know, what I almost did during the interview though, was message you when you guys got to about the liver or about the um, organ supplements, because what was so interesting is as she was talking, I was writing, I'm like, ask her what she thinks about the emotional aspect of taking these organs. And you brought it up yourself. (laughs) I was like, I... I remember you taking those supplements that day. Well, I'm going to be honest. Like there was a part of me that's like, no, I don't really want to tell that story because it's it's a bit of a fresh story. And it was the part that you guys probably didn't hear and she would have gotten a kick out of it was I got, was really emotional, like just feeling this, the, and what was the deal was that I just was feeling the world. Like I was just really feeling the sorrow of the world. And it was, it was actually at the end really cathartic because I was able to cry and it was the fires had just happened here and we knew people who had lost homes and it was like, I couldn't take one more suffering. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just, it was like a whole morning of just almost being a, unable to function. And so that's how we sort of looked at, well, maybe it's the organ supplement, but that was, so that was interesting. Well, and comments. I- and as she was saying it, I'm like, I already knew you. And I know you have a tendency to not either A, follow the directions on the bottle <laughs> and think that you can just like take 20 times more than what's recommended. And I'm like, sitting there thinking, I'm like, she probably mega dosed on those liver organs on yep. Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> yep. I, I come from the school if a little bit's good, a lot's better. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, was, I think the bottle said two, and I'm not going to lie. I think I may have had like six or eight of them. Oh my gosh, Mindy. You like, yeah, you messaged me on Monday too. You're like, these are so awesome. <laughs> you were like all jazzed. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited. Paul Saladino got me very excited about the organ meats. They're still so, very exciting. Just, you yeah. know, a little goes a long way. Yeah, what Autumn said. <laughs> yeah, how envious of you were you of her going on um, on tour with J Lo? Oh my gosh, that's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know, I know. It's I mean that's something so cool to look back on, and I'm sure sure she's so proud of herself too on all all of the. I mean, I can only imagine the hard work. Three countries in one day. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah, and dancing and dancing. Yeah, yeah. I loved hearing how she was. So mom centric. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty profound. How she, the, her kids went on tour and she, her main focus was her, her kids. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Right. So now, of course, this was an interview. She may have not wanted to tell us the, <laughs> uh, the dirty, the dirty. When I go to Denver and I, and I run into her, go to Boulder, I'll have to. You're uh, going to re-ask. Yeah. I'll be like, anything you, you didn't like it. Although I do, I do want to thank Kylie and JLo. So I might the have woman to. does a lot of things. So I have yeah. to, I would have to think. Yeah. She probably what, doesn't have time to be cranky and crabby. Maybe. Well, I just, I'm so impressed with people who are really mega stars like that, who are kind people and are family centric. Yeah. So like you give me anybody who has accomplished something amazing in their life of like really, whether it's like a business person or a famous celebrity, if they are kind and they are family centric, they have got my heart. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what I heard in that. So Agreed. What's your favorite Paleo Valley snack? Oh, I like the original beef sticks. That's okay. my, the original flavor of beef sticks. Yeah. You don't yeah. like the summer sausage? No. I'm not really, I'm, yeah, when it comes to things like that, I'm really kind of more of an original person. So Justin gets the rest of all the flavors. He's just yeah. not allowed to touch the original. Okay. What's your, uh, what's your, I'm going to go back through her questions. What's your favorite health book of 2020? Oh, 
Well, if it, if we're talking about all aspects of health, I'd say Buddha and the Badass because that's, I mean, mental health. I really got a lot out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I like that one. I also say, would say the carnivore code, I feel like I really, um, it's very heady, but I appreciate all the research that he put. In yeah, there. I was going to say, I'm not sure I'd enjoy it as much as you probably do because yeah. too much of that uh, science education, I don't understand half the words. So yeah, it's a, it's a little intense. Okay. What would you tell your high school stuff? Oh, I'd probably say the same thing as she did. Like you are perfect as you are and to follow your dreams and desires rather than what everybody else expects you to do. I still yeah. think I, I, I don't, haven't quite figured that one all the way out, but, oh, and go travel the world, like yeah. <laughs> go experience life, forget the boys, forget whatever, you know, people are telling you, you need to be doing. I wish I would have gone back and done a lot of things like that. Yeah. I, I think when I go back to my high school self, I feel like that I was, uh, you know, I, I saw the world different than most people in high school saw it. And I struggled with that. You know, I grew up in LA where it like what her story, I really resonated right. with her story where material objects were really important to people. How you looked was really important. And so my high school self tried to fit into that and it, it, it created discomfort for me. And so I think I would tell my high school self, like, just be who you want to be and know that it only gets better from here. Yeah. And that this is a very surreal environment, but once you're out of that environment, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Right. Yes. So I think that's what I would, I definitely would say. So, and I think you always have the opportunity to change your mind. Like, I think if you look, look back on high school, it's like the way that we do school now is they want you to like, pick a path and that's going to be your path from I hate you know, that. here till retirement. And then when you're retired, you can do what you want to do. And I just think you always, and everybody that we brought on this podcast has changed their trajectory, mm, right? So like, interesting. You always yep. have the option to change and step into something different if it's not like sitting right with who, like if, if it's just not sitting right anymore, or if you want to do something different, I don't know. I think that model of like, you pick one thing and that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, that's a very old school model, but I feel like it's still very much being used yeah. in today's world. Yeah. Well, well, I can tell you having two kids, one that's in college and one that's applying to college this year, it's so crazy that they have to pick what they want to do. Right. It's so like pick a major. Your frontal lobe hasn't even kicked in. How the heck are you supposed to pick a major? Like right. that's crazy. Right. So. Well, Resetters, we hope you enjoyed this. And yeah, again, we're trying to bring you guys really good conversations with really passionate people who are passionate about their craft. As you know, we love people who have been had a, a moment of pain and they turned it into their purpose. That is definitely key for us. But we haven't really talked to the emotional side of eating. So give us feedback. Find us on Instagram. The Resetter Podcast has its own Instagram page. So we do post about this episode. I talk about my ahas um, from the episode. So make sure you find us over there and let us know what you thought. So as always, we hope it helps. out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in. You take over eating out. You put the good
types out. You download Carp Manager where your food is all craft out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.